Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sober Town. This is King 13 with you today, and you are going to come aboard the Sober Train, and we're going to take a little ride into the wonderful world of sobriety. Um, for those of you who don't know anything more about Sober Town, the podcasts are here. Of course, we've got a lot of people who are telling their stories bravely. And if you go to the website or just flip through it after you listen to us, um, there are videos there. There are book, plenty of books that you can read. There are videos to be watched. There's blogs to be read and listened to. And there's a lot of educational stuff um, to understand exactly what happens to your mind and body whilst we were all drinking. And also, I want to give a shout out to IAS because without that community, um, we wouldn't be here. And it's a terrific app. You just go on, download it for free. It is a counter app. So basically, you start at day zero and you'll see a whole lot of other people. And then you'll get to know them and you can post stuff about yourself and they can comment. So you'll make new friends and you can grow with them through your, your, sorry, your sober journey. And today, what I'm doing is I'm doing a follow-up with my good friend, Jojo1986. I'm, I'm thrilled to have her back. Jojo, good morning to you. Good morning, Debs, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, look, thanks for rejoining. I think we were just chatting about it's just been under a month since you and I got together. Mm -hmm. So let's start by um, talking about just what reflections you had after you did the podcast with me. I think um, after the podcast, I listened to it and I was like, wow, I actually sound confident, which I didn't expect for some reason. That was the, the weirdest thing about it. Um, I think I told you at some point in one of our conversations that I don't like listening to my own voice. Yeah, who does, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't. And I mean, I've done a lot of presentations that are, you know, online. We've used them for training where I work. And I always, I can't, I can't listen to those. I could listen to my own story. It was weird. It was really weird. I could listen to myself and it was okay. Um, and I don't know why that is, but that just struck me as, as kind of odd. So like my professional stuff that I do, you know, on a, on a daily basis sometimes, I can't listen to, but I could listen to my own story story for our conversation. And um, that was, just, that struck me as kind of weird. But I think the, the, the one thing I didn't share on there is that um, I've dealt with depression for a large portion of my life. And part of that goes hand in hand with my ADHD and what I went through, you know, as a kid um, growing up with undiagnosed ADHD, which I wouldn't wish on anybody. Um, and that depression got so severe when I was a teenager that I tried to, I, I always say unalive myself because I don't like the word suicide. I don't, I don't like it. Um, but I did try and the, the situation was because of, you know, feelings of abandonment and despair and depression, um, for the place I was in in my life at that time. And I've since dealt with that and I can, I can speak of it. And, um, but it doesn't mean depression doesn't come and go. It's still here. And when I was drinking, you know, I was drinking to drown those sad and hurt and, and angry and lonely feelings, but the alcohol is a depressant itself, which tended to amplify a lot of the time. And I think part of that is why I tended to drink alone, if that, you know, makes sense. Um, and it's something that I, I think everybody needs to understand that any type of mental illness or, or different ability 
you know, it's okay to have those and it's okay to reach out for help. And in fact, you need to reach out for help when, when you're feeling depressed and anxious and lonely and those things, sometimes a simple conversation with a friend will suffice, but there are times when you need to talk to a therapist and you need to get treatment and you need medications to help you through. And there is absolutely no shame in that in any way, shape or form. And as, as a young person, having something like that in my life, it caused me a great deal of shame because it was dealt with as like a dirty little secret. Because, yeah, yeah, I was going to say to you, Joe, I think, you know, looking back now, it's not uncommon. My parents, uh, well, my mom, particularly, um, you know, she had it all her life, depression severely, so did her mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I, and my sister and I, we all, we've all got anxiety. We're all wired the same way. And it's sort of an all or nothing thing. And, you know, the last thing, particularly where I came from, was to take medication because it was perceived as a weakness. And so I fought it off for so many years. And then when I started taking it, I realised, and this was well, well into adulthood, and it probably at the time didn't do me as much good as it should have because I was drinking. Yeah. But there was that ounce of relief, you know what I mean, just even yeah. then. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm actually back in my skin again. I'm feeling mm-hmm. actually normal. Yeah. You know, where I felt like I was just out of my skin and buzzing the whole time. And now I'm so happy that that stigma is but it's just taken away because so many people, as you come forward, you know, they say power in numbers and you own up and do it for yourself because, again, it's another gift to take care of your mental and physical health. It is completely, I agree with you. And I, and you're right. I think in that time period, you know, things have changed. It's, it's been 40 years, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm it how old I am here, but you know, it's been 40 years since that happened. And there are still parts about that that stay with me to this day, but you know, when things get bad and they still do, don't get me wrong. They still do. I, I have tools now to cope with when that happens. I know what to do to take care of myself. There are times I still scramble and, and have, you know, a hard time dealing with it, but that's, that's just being human. And I, right, try, yeah. I try to give myself some grace when that happens. Um, and it's really hard to kind of give yourself. It's easy to give like it, Deb, if you call me up and say, Joe, I am having a crap day. It would be so easy for me to be there for you and give you that grace and, and that comfort and that companionship and whatever you needed in that moment. But when it comes to ourselves, many times it's easier to stuff everything down than to stop and say, okay, I need to take care of myself. How do I do this? You know what? That's a great point. And I'm looking back on reflection now, I was exactly the same. I was always willing to help everybody else, give everybody else advice as long as I didn't have to take care of me and look at my own problems. And I realized I was deflecting. I didn't know what the word for it was, but mm-hmm. that's exactly what I was doing. If I was dealing with everybody else and looking like I was supportive to everybody else, people used to say to me all the time, oh, well, you're always okay. But no one yeah. ever bothered to ask. And even if they did ask, I would say, yeah, you're right, I am. I'm good. Because I just didn't want to delve into it, Joe. It just was like it was probably too painful. And, I, you know, if you think you're in a good place at that particular time, the last thing you want to do when you're growing up is you know, bringing, up, bringing up stuff that happened in your childhood because you just, yeah. I was, you know, you're just meant to deal with it. 
Right. I know we were. And I think that was generational. You know what I mean? I, I yeah, think, absolutely. you know, that our parents weren't given the ability to speak of it because of the way they were raised. So they took right. what they knew and they raised us with what they knew. And what they knew was, no, you're weak. You just keep going, you know, suck it up, buttercup, that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah and I think it's terrific today too, even for men as well, that the um, awareness is out there. You know, yes. we have beyond, we have something in Australia for men called Beyond Blue and it's terrific. And they put ads on telly and more men are talking at footy clubs and, you know, sporting, you know, sporting events and things like that where men congregate and taking that stigma away. So I think, you know, bridging that gap for everybody because as a result, and it's the same at home, we know of males, and I particularly do too, who have taken their own life because yes. they particularly, they just can't handle it, Joe. They, mm-hmm. They'd rather do that than speak to somebody. And how sad is that? Well, it's, it's because, you know, society says men have to be strong and bear the burdens in silence and, and yeah, women are yeah. the emotional ones. So we're allowed oh. to cry, you know, yeah. we're allowed to cry, but we're weak for crying and yeah. men, you know, men have to be strong, but it, in being strong, the way they think society wants them to be, it is, it is slowly killing them. And, and, you know, there, there are pros and cons to being both male and female, but the universal is we both have been raised in manners that maybe have made us have very, very poor coping skills. And Mm. that's the universal part, you know, we may, we may be stereotyped differently, but we both suffer in our own stereotype. No, that's just, yeah, no, you're right. And the thing is we're born with, when we're babies, we're born with the same brain. And then it's what affects us. Like you just said, as we grow through life, um, the environment and what the things that happen to us, that's how we that's how we grow up programmed. And it really is a bit like that. A bit yeah. like you start oh. off clean and then all the stuff goes in there and there you are left to deal, to deal with it, you know. So I'm glad that Bridge is getting gapped and I'm glad that, you know, the stigma, yeah, the stigma is, um, you know, it's just not, there's nowhere near what it used to be. And I'm just hoping as, you know, we go further down the track that, that it becomes less and less. And please, if you're listening, and you do feel that you you know you know that you're not feeling yourself. Reach out and get some help. Yeah, Talk definitely. to your primary care um, because you know what? What's the worst thing that can happen? You can just feel better, and that's yeah. what it's all about. Quality of yeah. life, guys. It's about quality hardest, of life. The hardest part is saying, "Hey, I need help." You know, yeah. sometimes that, sometimes the hardest part is just telling somebody that you need help. And just like yeah. in sobriety. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's in you know. There are so many, it's a web. It's like this interwoven web. And I want to put a disclaimer here. I am not a medical professional. No, me neither. <laughs> we are having an opinion conversation, okay? Thank you for that. Yeah, it's just You're our welcome. opinion and what yeah, we observe is, and what we have yeah. found personally. So don't, so, so don't hunt us down in social media and come at us or anything, but you know. No, um, no, it's just two birds just shooting the, yep. shooting the shit on a Saturday morning. Having a conversation. Having a yeah. conversation. Yeah, but I think, I think, with alcoholism, there are, everybody comes to alcohol for a different reason, but we all use it to mask something, you know? Yeah. Um, it's an excuse to celebrate. It's, you know, a celebration is, is an excuse to drink or, or I'm, I've had a crap day. Like, 
what day was it this week? I had an online training class and in the middle of it, I had to like mute myself because I had a complete meltdown emotionally because I was just feeling so overwhelmed. And, um, you know, and I thought, boy, if I had bourbon in the house, a drink would be great. Thank God I didn't. But, you know, it, it, when things get like that, we have to deal with it. And we, so many of us, not all of us, but so many of us used alcohol and okay. So I had a total shit day. I'm going to pull the bourbon out and I'm going to have me a massive shot of bourbon when I'm done with my work day, you know? And yeah. And that's the trigger, isn't it? That's the trigger right there. That was my go-to too. Stress after work, beautiful, you know, Mm -hmm. straight to the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm feeling depressed. Well, you know what? Yeah. You know, it's like, (laughs) I'm feeling depressed and it's only 11 o'clock. I could probably make it till 12 before I pour something on a weekend, you know, but yeah, definitely. Definitely. And so apart from the depression, what else have you reflected on? Anything else come to mind that you learned since then? Cause you now we're, ex- I know you're at five months, but what, how many days? Yeah. I'm sorry. How many days? Oh, um, I'm like 167 days or something. Good. Well, congratulations on that. That's a lot. Thank you. Because I was looking today trying to figure out when I was going to hit six months. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I got something like 100. Yeah, because I got like 12 days, I think, till I hit six months. Because I'm like, six months is like a goal kind of thing for me. I'm like, I want to do, I want to be able to say I made six months. Yeah, no, it was for me too. As I was said it? to you, I, I said six months, I'm on my way. 12 months. Yeah. I've got my, this is my own personal goal. I've got some credibility. And then yeah, I said, eight, yeah. 18 months for my brain to really sort itself out. And then yeah. two years, I, I think I'm like, okay, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. And, um, yeah, it was very, very interesting. I'm just going to bring something up before we go on because I had a light bulb moment yesterday and I'm older than oh, you, no, so I might forget. And I was in the shower and I've been eating like a bloody horse, I swear to God. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, okay, Deb, you're, you know, you're at eight nearly well be nine months sort of you know in a couple of weeks I'm thinking now what is going on with you because you're eating 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 and all of a sudden I felt this laughter in my brain it was like you asshole it was the bloody attic voice laughing at me because he's got me eating he's got me to the point where I've put on and I'm not going to tell you how many pounds but it's double digits plus some (laughs) and he's laughing at me saying okay lady you think that you've got it under control with your drinking because I really do fight him off. I don't let him near me. And he said, but guess what? You've got cross-addiction, lady, and I'm going to get you on the food. And it's happened to me throughout my life. I can't moderate a damn thing. That's why I was pretty good at sport, because I'd go gun-ho. With that came injuries. But you know what I mean? Like, I just don't have that doing anything with any sort of balance whatsoever. And I thought, you bloody idiot, Deb. And he's and I could hear him laughing. It really annoyed me. I got really angry. And so this morning I'm getting up and I'm thinking, that's it, you know, I'm bloody a-hole. And I've got my apple cider vinegar and my lemon and my water and it tasted Aww. foul. And I'm thinking, that's it. I've got to, I've got to wire my mouth shut. And I thought, oh, I can't. I've got a podcast to do so. You're not going to wire your mouth shut. I, oh, no, you know, no, Brian. <laughs> I don't think I could, babe. But, you know, isn't it interesting? It made so much sense to me that now I've mm-hmm. got this cross-addiction with eating. And I've done it before in my life where I've put on a lot of weight, and I'm talking 70 pounds, mm-hmm. and then I've just gone crazily, like I do, and lost it. Then I've, I've done yeah. it four times in my life where I've put on 70 pounds and lost it. I've been like a, one of those 
one of those accordion things in and out, in and out, you right. know, those musical right. instruments. And it's hit me again. I was I lost all the weight and now it's bloody back on again. So I, this is what I'm learning and I thought I should have learned this a long time ago. But it, him laughing at me was not funny because it reminded me of being laughed at at school. <laughs> no, and I, I understand that completely, the laughter part about being laughed at especially, you know, because, I mean, number one, nobody likes to be laughed at. And if you're ever bullied, you're right there. You know, I get it. I completely get it. Um, And that makes sense. When it comes to the weight and the doing things like 200% or not at all. So my therapist, and I do talk about my therapy. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me too much. If it's too deep, I will say like, yeah, no, we ain't talking about that. Yeah. Um, Okay. So my therapist is is always telling me, you know, you don't have to do it a hundred percent. Cause I'll, I'll give you the perfect example. My bucket list has always had hike the Appalachian trail. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm in my fifties and I'm like, I'm going to have to do this at some point. If I'm, if I'm going to have this bucket list, I might as well, like, you know, I really want to do it. And I've been doing a lot of hiking and some backpacking and camping and, and keeping busy that way. Right. So I'm like, so what would it take for me to do this? Now, mind you, I have a medical condition where I have to have infusions every two weeks. Yeah. So I'm like trying to, this is me. This is me, right? This is not the most rational thing. It's actually kind of funny. I'm like trying to figure out, can I hike the Appalachian Trail if I'm doing infusions every two weeks? And don't think I'm not going to ask my immunologist this when I go see him in a month or two. But it, it, it's like, and she's telling me, she's like, Joe, you can do things like part way. You don't have to quit your job figure out how to do infusions and go hike the Appalachian Trail. You know, you don't have to do that. And I'm like, but to me, that made perfect sense. It made perfect sense that like in the spring, quit my job, go hike the Appalachian Trail and then look for another job. That was like the logic in my head. And is it rational? No, not really. (laughs) But it's that all or nothing mentality. And I think um, if you have ADHD or you're, you know, you're on that in that ADHD stretch there with some of the traits, that's how you think, because you start, um, I can't remember what it's called when you focus in on one thing, hyper-focus, you hyper-focus on one thing and that becomes the all-consuming then. So for me, you know, that's, that's where my brain automatically goes. So I have to stop myself from saying, oh yeah, I'm going to quit my job and go hike the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, look, it's, yeah, well, you know what, and it gets back to like you were posting the other day about reevaluating, and we're constantly reevaluating yeah. on this journey of ours, month to month, week to week, day by day. Sometimes you don't know when things are going to hit you, and you do reevaluate what's important. It doesn't mean that you can't go hiking because you do. It just right. means you might have to change the focus of what you're hiking. Maybe not yeah. so much, and <laughs> yeah, pick another it, target. You know, exactly, exactly, and that that's perfectly that's perfectly legit. That's that's normal, you know. But uh, yeah, I was I was like, no, I'll just quit my job, and she was like, no, let's rethink this a bit. I mean, she extremes. didn't tell me no, don't do it. Yeah, we yeah. love extremes, don't we? It's just crazy. Yeah. It's like all or nothing. I know it's just mad. It's just maddening. And then when you decide you want to quit your job, you want to get another one tomorrow. Because we can't wait, you know, like there's no process. It's just I've got to get a job and I've got to get it now. It's like yes. I do the same yes. thing when I was looking for apartments when I was living, you know. It's like, no, yes. I've, got to, I've got to be on it until I get one. I, I just won't let it go. Maybe I feel I've got ADHD and probably a lot of other things too when I think about it because I'm relating here <laughs> and shaking my head. Um, and you were talking about too, you know, we work at using because you and I both had worked very, very hard in our careers and you still are. 
but using work as an excuse not to feel. And it was right, that keeping busy thing. Talk about that. Sorry, I bumped the mute button. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I did. So when when I tried to um, unalive myself when I was a preteen or a young teenager, um, my mother determined that I just wasn't busy enough. So um, because I wasn't busy enough with all the stuff, you know, at home with my brothers and sisters and, and well, my brother and foster sisters, um, that I needed something to keep me busy. Um, and then I wouldn't be depressed and I could, you know, go on with life. Um, so basically deny it um, and got me a job at the local movie cinema. <laughs> and 14 years old, I became very popular very quickly until everybody found out I couldn't get them in for free. So <laughs> true story. Honestly, God, I had like the most popular kids in class who never would even look at me, you know, who used to pick on me. Yeah. They would come up and go, so uh, that new movie's coming out. Uh, can you get me in? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, no, sorry. But, but you would have got to see them, wouldn't you? The movies? Oh yeah, I got to see all of them and oh, I could bring one. I would have said to them, you know what? Give me a couple of bucks and I'll tell you what it's about. <laughs> yeah. No, I would like, I would get like my friends and I, you know, I could take like one person with me, but a lot of times I would just watch the movie on my breaks or yeah, um, yeah. when I was done working, I would go sit up in the projection room. Cool which was job. Because really I work yeah. in a fruit market. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, at least I had a cool job, but I made more money babysitting. So I actually lost money taking the job at the cinema. Oh, bummer, mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I, that's when I learned that like working was a substitute for like feeling things. So uh. work became identity for me. And from that point, anything I did was kind of my identity. So, um, I worked, you know, when, when I was getting a culinary degree, that's like the perfect thing. I was a chef, dang it. You know, and mm. the hours didn't mean anything because I was a chef, you know, so I had that title and, that works for just so long and there's an emptiness that comes along with that because you're your if your job is your identity you don't have a lot of connection you know what i mean because if, oh. if you have oh my god i'm just saying yes yeah. sorry joe i'm just going yes that's exactly what i did joe if i'm working hard and i'm going to be the best at this again mm -hmm. don't have to deal with it sorry no. go on no, you, you don't, you don't have that connection and that's hard. That's hard. And when, when your identity is not in yourself, you're, you're missing, you're just missing so much. And, and I didn't, I think the biggest thing I've gotten out of the sober journey so far is, uh, is that, and I'm trying to put this into words is that I am completely okay by myself, okay? And that I am worthy of unconditional love all the time. Mm -hmm. Good girl. And honestly, being in the women's group is, is part of what showed me that people can love you as you are, flaws and all, unconditionally. It's yeah. not about how good you do your job. It's not about how good of a child you are or daughter or, or friend. It's about who you are, flaws and all. And it's oh. the people, it's the people who love and accept you. I'm getting like teary eyed. Um, so am I, I'm like getting a bit choked up here. Yeah. It's the people who love and accept you unconditionally. Those are the ones you want in your life. The ones who know your flaws and tell you you're beautiful. And the ones who see you mess up and tell you you're a warrior. 
those are the people that are important in your life. And that may not be your family. And you know what it is? It's a feeling that you've probably not felt very deeply before. And exactly. it's, it, it's, it makes, and I know with me, it makes me feel, it's, it's un- uncomfortable and like you can't, okay, it's an emotion you can't control when someone's really unconditionally nice to you and you know they mean it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's major. I mean, that's absolutely major. Um, because it, you don't know that feeling because the people around you in your life before, they're like... I don't know if I put it on IAS. I, I know I shared it in the group at one point is, is the people who are around you in your life, sometimes they offer you that unconditional love, but you don't trust it because you've never really had it or know what it right. is. Yep. So yep. they're what giving you, you this unconditional love and you're like, okay, what the hell is this? What's wrong with well, you? What do you want from me? That's what yeah. What do you want from me? Yeah. And you can't trust you can't trust that they love you exactly as you are. You just can't trust it. And because, and I think just to connect on that, it's because as children, the people that you expected to love you unconditionally all the time. It was conditional. Yeah. No, Or it was broken. Do you know what I mean? In my case, it was broken. There was separations. There was, you know, space is missing abandonment issues there's a lot of different things the childhood wasn't a consistent thing the emotions weren't consistent you know the the environments weren't consistent so again you know if you didn't feel safe as a child and you didn't trust as a child how the hell are you going to do that in adulthood it's not an easy one no you can't it's not possible you know it's not possible and and you know it learning that at my age was just like mind blowing, you know, mm. it was blew my mind completely. I was like, holy crap, this is what it's supposed to feel like. You know, I know it's very, very weird that someone, it happened to me. Someone said something to me <laughs> in one of our Zooms and I knew they meant it and I completely broke down and there's only certain people that can do that to me. And it's because I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it. I was just, it was like a well of emotion and it was there before I could stop it because my barrier with this particular person was down. I'm comfortable with this person, even though I don't really know you and haven't known you all my life. I know Uh you, but I don't, you know, I mean, they're in one of my groups, but isn't it interesting that it doesn't have to be that person that's been there for your entire life. No, it, it can doesn't. be somebody, and especially because we have that bond of sobriety, mm-hmm. there is nothing to hide. We are being oh. our true, authentic selves, and we're sharing as such. And having said that now, I didn't trust myself um, before when I was drinking. Yeah. And yeah. now I actually do. So now mm-hmm. I trust more. Yeah. I, I think that's the same with me. You know, I, I'm learning to trust my own opinions in learning to trust my own instinct. I always relied a lot on other people's concepts and ideas. I mean, at work, it was a whole different thing. Work, I could just, yeah, I can, I can do my thing, you know, but when it come, came to my personal life and my choices and my beliefs, I lived my life by other people's values and beliefs. And I would subvert mine. Oops, subvert mine. 
found one a little there. Um, I would subvert mine to theirs, you know, in that need for being loved and liked and cared about. It's amazing what we would do to please people. Yeah. Especially yeah. your parents, you know, if because mm-hmm. you, you, you can sense, you can sense, you know, what's going on. You and can. I mean, I always wanted the approval from my mother right through my entire life. I couldn't do enough oh, yeah. for her. Yeah. And she, I just don't think mum just, you know, some mums are just not capable of <laughs> being exactly. that way. I mean, she was strong and she, God, God bless her, she got me through life and she prepared me for the world because she knew I was sensitive. Right. Um, my sister used to force her. That was a different story. She'd force her to hug her. <laughs> Mum would have her arms down straight, but you're right. Uh-huh. They themselves were not. You know, you can't teach yeah. what you don't know. And, again, it was probably really uncomfortable for her. And she'd say, but you know I love you, but you know where I am. I said, Mum, you never ring me. You've never ring, rung me once in my life. She goes, well, I don't ring the others either. Like, <laughs> it's just the yeah. stuff that she used to come out with. She was hilarious. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of that is upbringing, some of it. Um, totally, totally, totally. You know, if, you don't, if, if you don't get it, you can't give it. No, and then when you were saying about changing jobs and everything, yeah. um, there's so many things that I think you would be so good at. And you know what? They'd, you've been at this job now for quite a while, right? I have, yeah. Well, this job itself, the job I'm in at the moment, four years. Going well, I'm on, in the, com- the company, yeah, right? But I've been with, yeah, I've been with them. This is, I'm going on 13 years? Oh, Wait, no, years. going on 12 yeah, years. That's right. Going on 12 okay. years. Yeah. I remember when we told last time you told you told well, me 20, about that. 2022 will be 13 years. <clears throat> and you know, years ago when I was with Yellow Pages and they trained us, you know, to be these yellow salespeople, um, oh. they said one thing about um, having balance in your life, and it was eight hours work, eight hours play, eight hours sleep. And that sounds great, doesn't it? But the world is just for some people, it just doesn't allow, especially. <clears throat> with people having to work when they can, particularly with COVID and lockdowns and restrictions, people are you know, have, having to take on more. And financially today, you know, depending on where you live, the cost of living is can be really, really high, like here where I am in Miami. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Miami, really yeah. high. It is. Um, you know, That's so, I mean, we'd love that balance, wouldn't we? We'd strive for it, but it's just not always possible for people. No, it's not. It's not. It, it's something you kind of have to work for it. Uh, I think it's like I've made no bones about on IAS about, you know, looking for another job. Um, and it's, it's, I've got the, the, you know, the resume in place and the cover letters and, you know, things like that ready to go. My problem is it's like, I don't want to dive into anything. I want to take my time and figure mm. out, cause I'm, it's like, I'm finally refiguring out who I am and what I like because- yep. Like I said, for so many years, I subverted what I wanted and what I needed to um, my ex and the family. And I totally lost myself in that relationship. Codependency bites, man, people don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, But now I'm figuring out what I really like. And I had given up a lot and I didn't realize how much I'd given up until I started to get sober. And once I started working on my sobriety, that's when I started realizing, you know, we went backpacking like once the whole time we were together, but yet we went to 
I can't even count how many Boston marathons and New York marathons and triathlons for him. Mm. And yeah, I hear you loud and clear because yeah. I was very independent. As you know, I didn't get married till I was 40. So I was supported yeah. myself from, you know, 17 and a half. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, I'm moving around America because my husband's got obviously a better job than I do. But mm -hmm. I, was make, I was taking jobs back in Australia to go back there and work to keep that up because I missed it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and even now, the reason, you know, doing these podcasts and doing everything, I love to be, I love to work. It's something right. I enjoy doing and I love to work with people. So this right. is a really good fit for me. And I... You know, that's why my drinking got so much worse when I was alone, isolated, and had given up, given exactly. up work. Mm -hmm. Because I, I was... remember when I first came to America, I was working. I was working at a magazine, and we had a television mm -hmm. station next door that was owned by the same owners. And, you know, I, I was silly. I actually, and I, this is my advice to you, make sure you do leave for the right reasons because nobody leaves their jobs much in America because of security. And I had a fantastic right. job at this magazine, and mm -hmm. I left it. And even the boss turned around and said to me, are you sure? And everybody else did too. I was doing really well. I was successful. I wanted to get into the television side of things, but I decided to go and jump into, a, you know, a job at a website because I thought the website was going to be the next best thing and it wasn't. It ended up going belly up. But it, that doesn't happen to everyone. In Australia, that wouldn't have happened. America's a very different ball game. Um, in, in Australia, I would have known more about the company. I would have, I didn't realize about there's so many startups here. Yeah, and this there one are. was, but it had a great yeah. name and it was a name of a particular state. So I thought, this is going to be fantastic. But anyway, right. you live and learn. You know, you live and you learn. Um, and then I went into real estate and I did something else. But it's sort of like, I, in the back of my mind, I think that my resume is so strong because I've worked overseas as well that I can go back and pick up where I left off in my home country because mm -hmm. I have the context. See, coming to America, I didn't have the context and that's everything. No. It is. It is. It's, it's such a big part of it. I have the skill set and I have some of the context. So that, that is good, but it's like, I'm just trying to figure out what I want to be doing because every job I've taken in the last 20 years has been not because I particularly wanted it. It's because this was available in my area because they really didn't have what I wanted to do at the time, you know, and yeah. I was married. So I couldn't, I couldn't just like up and leave and go someplace else and take a job. It wasn't, it wasn't possible. So I took jobs that were convenient and decent paying to be able to contribute to our household. And, um, yeah. So I didn't take jobs because I was like, woohoo, I want to be doing this. You know, in fact, when I applied for the the job that got me started on my current career path, I did it because it was easy. And when I got the call for the interview, I was like, I don't even know what this job is. <laughs> I mean, I had a kind of an idea, but yeah, yeah, I really didn't. I really didn't know what the job was when I went. Yeah, it's funny. I've, I've seen people struggle here in, a, in America to yeah. do all sorts of things where in Australia, I felt like I had choices. I had choices yeah. where I was going to go. We have a lot of we have a lot of corporations over there with head offices too, particularly because I worked um, not dropping names, but I did work for Murdoch over there. Like we have big media organisations, yeah. and that was my thing, you know, in publishing so and advertising. So the opportunities were just there, and it's a small market, so everybody knows each other. America is so big that you just it's get massive. swooped up into 
you know, not really standing out, even if you live. Imagine being in New York and just work. I mean, you know, do you know what I mean? Like I felt like an ant when I was in New York. No one would care yeah. about me. It's just a whole different ball game. But anyway, so um, moving on from that, we talked about reevaluating things and, and bearing uh-huh. our feelings and stuff. And I've been thinking about this the other day. I thought, how do I know when I've processed my emotions? <laughs> how do I know as I'm going through this journey that, yes, I've dealt with it? And there was something I read the other day, and this is really interesting. It says, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts till, t- until it doesn't hurt as much. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. thought, aha, it's like grief. When you accept it, you don't forget it's still there, but you can remember the good things and not be in tears at the drop of a hat. You know what I mean? When yeah. you think about, oh, mum's not here, dad's not here. So I don't know if that's a good answer or a bad answer, but that's what how I'm sort of dealing with it at the moment. I think I think that that's partially for me, that's partially true. For the most part, like the the trauma that's happened in my life, I've I've processed it, I've moved through it. I've felt a lot of the emotions I needed to feel, but every once in a while, something will trigger something and it'll pop back up and I'll get that, you know, just intense crying, weeping kind of feeling that goes with it. And I think that's just natural, but I think um, with, with me, I know I've moved through it when I can talk about it calmly. And I don't mean like in a disconnected way, because there's a difference. Like if you talk about it totally disconnected from it, you haven't normally dealt with it is my understanding. But if you can talk about it and give yourself some compassion, you know, while you do it, I think then you've, you've kind of dealt with it to, to the best of your ability. There are some things some people are never going to be able to move through because it's just that intense. You know what I mean? Um, But Yeah. yeah. And the reason I said good is when you said that's natural because you're right, that's exactly what I've done. I think I've dealt with things. Mm-hmm. And as I said, you don't ever forget. And there are times there can be just a moment that there will yeah. be that bawling session be. about it because I don't know what conversations I'm going to have with my sister and particularly about my parents or whatever. Exactly. But for the most part, the most part I'm remembering good things. I'm having a laugh and putting myself back in the situation. Do you know what I mean? And, and sharing just sharing things about, you know, things like that. And with the stress and, and, and the stuff, the bad stuff that I really, you know, have gone through, I don't want to remember all the negative stuff anymore. I want to move no. forward. And it's about yeah. accepting and moving forward for me too. Mm-hmm. And yet that happened, you know, I've been over and over it. You know, we can't go over it anymore. It's like it's like a bloody drunk person repeating themselves, you know. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do oh, yeah. that. There's there's so many new things to discover. So thank you for that because you've made me feel like I am on the right track with, with doing that, you know. And what I was going to say with you, what amazes me is for a woman who's so busy and has so many people around you, and I was saying you get away and you are completely mm-hmm. alone as we've talked about before with your camping. Oh, God, you yeah. still worry me. So I've had two realizations with the camping thing since our last our last conversation. And one is I do, I, I love it. Like you would not believe. And I love it just as much in a tent as I do in my little camper weather permitting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say weather true. permitting because so y'all know, I hate heat. I can handle cold, but I freaking hate heat. And I live in Florida. Did I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? But oh, yeah, we was, live in Florida. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we That's both, why. We're surrounded by humidity. Bloody every we day are. of the year. We are like today it's supposed to be thunderstorms where I'm at most of the day because of, of the tr- um, stuff coming up from the tropics. But um, anyways, yeah, I hate heat. But the second realization I had, and 
God love TikTok. I have said, TikTok has saved me so much money on therapy. And I keep going to my therapist and saying, I saw this on TikTok, you know, um, that, that when a lot of times we say, I do things alone because I want to, when in actuality, we do things alone because we were taught when we were younger that people didn't want to do things with us. And we were given that message that like we weren't worthy or our information wasn't good enough or whatever. And we learned that behavior. So now as adults, we go, oh, hey, I do this because I want to do it alone. Okay. And for me, that is partly true. I have to say that is partly true because when I had that one camping experience where I took somebody with me and it was an absolute nightmare, I could not handle having somebody with me because I'm kind of set in my ways. Um, that was bad. Okay. And that's enough right now that I'm like, yeah, I'm not taking anybody with me, but I do, I realized I do want somebody to go with me who wants to experience the same things. And that's hard. That was hard for me to admit because I do like my alone time, but it was hard for me to admit that I do want to have somebody there with me. And it does kind of suck sometimes when I'm packing up to be doing it by myself. Once I'm out there on the trail, I'm okay. And I'm camping and I'm out in nature and I'm, I'm kind of like, it's, it's meditative for me. I, I process emotions on the trail. I process the emotions while I'm like making coffee over a little, you know, little burner thing I have. That's how I process my hard feelings. So when I like up and pack up, I'm usually processing something that I need to kind of work through a little bit. And then once I work through it, I can feel that joy of having, you know, taking care of something heavy, heavier inside me. And I can move forward with a bit more clarity. Um, And I keep a journal while I go camping. I have these little, just real thin notebooks I bought and I keep a journal while I'm camping. And that helps me process everything I'm working through. And it's been a great tool for my sobriety. It really has. Yeah. And one of the things that brought me to this realization other than TikTok was the last time I went camping, I went to Pine Mountain, Georgia. And if y'all are ever in the area, it, it's not big mountains, but it is absolutely gorgeous country. And um, I stayed at FDR State Park, which is a really, really cool state park if, you, if you're in the area. And um, I was walking around the campground in the evening after I had had my dinner. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to go stretch my legs. And there was another woman there and she had this massive tent, right? And I thought, oh, her husband must be, you know, at, up at the shower or whatever. And I just said, hey, I like your tent. And we started, she was like, oh, you got the little tent. And we started talking about camping. She was there by herself. And she was there by herself because nobody in her family wanted to go. Hmm. And we were in the same boat. And we, we sat and talked for like an hour and the other couple came up and we all just didn't talk and it was a nice experience. And I don't normally do a lot of that when I go camping. I mean, people always want to see my camper and talk about it because it's, it's different, but I actually sat and had a conversation and it was nice. We exchanged information. So we're from different, different areas, but there are some centrally located areas. And we said, if we're ever going to these areas, we'd let the other person know. So that way, if they're free, they can, we can meet up. See, that's that's the coolest story because you can have your you can have your solitude time and then you've got knowing that somebody is there, yeah, should you need and you need a bit of company and have a Mm couple with or whatever and a meal with. I mean it's terrific. You never know who you'll meet when you go bush, do you, Joe? Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it was just like, it was, it was just random. And then when I was walking around after I got done talking to her, I was heading back, you know, to my campsite and I ran into another woman who was camping alone. Same reason, same reason. Nobody wanted oh, to go it. with her. So yeah. it was like, there's three of us in a campground because nobody else wanted to go with us. Oh God. See, okay. This is the difference between you and me. A, I couldn't go alone because I'm the, the sort of person that, I would just sit there and cry like I had no friends. That's what it would trigger in me. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, uh, that would upset me. I can't even sit and have lunch alone. I hate it. Oh. I hate being alone. It triggers me and it makes me cry. Yeah. That's just, it's ridiculous. Now you've just made me think about why I'm, why do I do that? I mean, I do sit and have lunch alone. I used to sit and have lunch alone a lot, especially with the bottle uh-huh. of wine. That was my best friend. See? All for myself, yeah. bring the bottle, yeah. an empty chair, and away I went. And then I'd meet someone. I'd always chat, mm-hmm. end up chatting to someone. But now I don't feel the need to go to lunch alone because I'm yeah. not drinking. You're not drinking. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so, you know, the, the restaurants and the bars were not so, you know, aren't, just aren't my favourite friend because here, you know what it's like, every every bar's got a meal place and every meal place has got a bar. Yes. So it's just, you know, I, I'm at home a lot more. And my priorities have changed. But that's great that you – see, I admire that. I wish I could do that. And maybe one day I'll be able to, but I'm a, no, I'm a long way from that. Well, I came to the realisation that if I waited around for other people to do the things I wanted to do, I was never going to be able to do them. Yeah. Because when, when I was married, my ex always said, oh, yeah, we'll go to Europe. Oh, yeah, we'll go to – and we never did. And um, – it was a lot of promises without action behind them, which we know mm-hmm. now is manipulation. But at the time, I just thought we were too busy because, you know, but we always had time to go to Boston and New York for the, for the races. And we always had money for those things, but we never had enough mm-hmm. for us to go on like a proper vacation together for a really long time. So when we were, when the divorce was final, the night the divorce was final, true story, I poured a massive glass of wine and I sat down and I booked, I booked a Rhine River cruise. Good for you. I didn't have the money and I didn't have anybody to go with me, but by golly, I was going to have the money and I was going to find somebody to go with me. I called my cousin who I hadn't spoken to um, since my father's death a couple of years before. And I called her up and I said, do you want to go with me? I'll spot you part of the money if you go with me. Cause I wanted to travel with her. She's a lot of fun. And she was like, Oh my God. And she called me back a day later and said, yeah, I'll go. And she and I went to Europe <laughs> and we took the Rhine river cruise and we had an amazing time. We had an absolutely amazing time, but all those years I was married that we were going to do it. We never did. And mm. I realization that a lot of these things, I have to figure out if I want to do it, I can do it. I just have to figure out how to do it. And it, I, I just, I don't, I don't want to feel like I wasted my time that I have on this earth waiting for somebody else to come along and save me. No, you shouldn't. And you know what? I'd go on a cruise on my own. No problem. Because there's yeah, people Steve, around. The and there's thing about camping that. that scares me there's is I'm, the I'm out there on my own with the animals. That's what would scare me. The difference is the difference is I don't want to get on a cruise ship. I do not. I went on that river cruise because it was small and I knew that the water in that river in places, if we sunk, I wasn't going to drown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it yeah. was like, I have, I have a massive fear. Yeah, they're they're of, a little more elegant than the, yes. the 1100 people on a, you know, a boat. Yeah, God yeah. knows how many people have slept in the beds, but I never slept anyway when I was on cruises. And I came out to Australia by a ship. So 
and I'm a water girl. Boats are my thing. Yeah. So that wouldn't worry me at all because I never use the cabin except to get ready. Um, mm-hmm. And you literally don't. You sleep on deck. You know, this is back in my right. 20s. I think I went did about three of them, like, over the years. It's and coming – we were talking about it the other day, actually, because from my balconies you can see the port and I can see the ships that are in. And Hubby said to me, oh, God, you know, we should go on, we should go on another cruise. And I said – Hello, here we go again, Deb. This is my point exactly. He said, but you, you you sprained your ankle the first day we were there. I fell down the bloody stairs drunk, didn't I? Oh, God. Oh, no, it happens all the time. Don't worry. Me and Crutches are best friends. And I said oh, to him, and it was just the boat moved. I'd been drinking. I actually don't think I was that, that uh, really I had that many to drink because it was 11 o'clock in the morning. But I had a couple. And I just, the boat went one way and I went the other and I've got weak ankles and over I went. So that sort of put a bit of a damper on the cruise as far as getting out and about and doing a lot of stuff. And I, I, I said to him, you go and you go off and I'll be right. And guess where I plonked myself? Right at the bar. So, oh, yeah. you know, I don't know why we got off on topic. And that. I just, it just okay. makes me laugh how many times I've hurt my ankles. It's just, oh, my God. <laughs> and now, touch wood, none since. No burns, no ankles. No burns isn't from cooking, amazing? no ankle breaks from... I know, is, right? Because I know what I'm amazing? doing these days. I know, I know, I know. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I agree with you. Just go and do it yourself. Now you've got a little camping friend. This is terrific. And you'll make more. And, I mean, yeah. people always said, you know, that's true. You can't sit back and wait for life to happen, can you? Things aren't going to come to you. This is what I've learned, you know. You've got to get out there and get involved, whether it's a hobby, a sport. You've got to put yourself out there. And I was always like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that because I won't like anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and I had this theory in life. I've got two theories in life. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are givers and there are takers. Got that yes. one sorted. And I used to aim at the top 5% of everything in life. So top 5% of friends, where I live, my job, to do, to do, on we go. And I, I thought, you know, that, that's realistic. Top 5%, try and get the best of everything you can. Because 1% is a little bit, you know, too difficult, although uh, my husband's pretty much up there. And, um, you know, and again, like you said, I, I say that I like being around people, but I like being alone even sometimes. Like he's back at work two days a week. And it's terrific because we've been locked up in the apartment for 18 months together. And whilst he's got the door yeah. closed and he's working away, he's still there. And I like to know he's there. Mm-hmm. But just having him go back to work for a couple of days, it's like, hello, freaking Lulia. Like, I don't yeah. have to worry about his breakfast. I don't have to worry about his lunch. Da, 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 da. But, yeah, and, again, sometimes I resent being that person and not being the independent one. Like, somebody mm-hmm. should be looking after me. I need the house, housekeeper. I'm the one exactly. that's supposed to be working. I prefer to be in that that working sort of role rather than I'm so far from a housewife it's not funny. I'm not good. I do it and I begrudge it. I hate housework because it's thankless. I'm sure all women do. Oh, And, yeah. I, I mean, I cook. I could, I like, you know, I'm not a bad cook, but I've got to be in the mood. So mm-hmm. I want, you know, I used to say, I'm coming back as a man if it means that women will do everything for me. <laughs> but times are changing. And now you hear a guy doing are. the housework and doing this and doing that. I said to my husband, yeah. you do nothing. But, you know, don't turn around and tell me, but you're bringing the money because otherwise yeah, I'm going to no. slap you because I'm capable of doing that too. So, yeah, yeah you know, it's again, balance. You've got to just accept yeah. it. And- Move yeah. on. That's the way it is for now. And if you don't like it, honey, change it. Change yeah. it. If you can, you know, yeah. There's times changes out of your hand, you know. There are oh, I mean, when I would say change it, yeah. I mean walk out the door and do it yourself yeah. if you think life's easier, Deb. But, 
you know, you chose it and you chose it for a reason. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, make it the best you can, you know, because it's not, I mean, most of it, I mean, most of it now I'm really happy with my life. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. lots of, you know, lots more I want to do. The location could change, but in time, you know, and I've learned, I've got to be patient. I've got to be patient because there's so many more people. Again, I go back to somebody else's, you know, a lot of people are so much so much more worse off, Joe. That I'm very blessed and very thankful for mm-hmm. my life today. Oh yeah, no, there's always you know. But I am proud of you because you do get out there and you do it, and you you, know, you have got that independence. You have got a great job. I mean, it's very hard to love your job all the time, especially when you're dealing with a lot of people. You and I have discussed mm-hmm. this. You're dealing oh, yeah. with not only yourself, but you've got all these other personalities and all these other moods, and you never know yeah. what you're going to get. And it's yeah. just like, oh, hello, here we go. You know, Sometimes you feel like you need bodyguards to fight them off, don't you? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I do. I, I think you know. I just I do these things because it's it's healthier than sitting home alone. I enjoy it tremendously. I get so much out of it, and it's just it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, if yeah. there's nothing like being for me, anyways, just being out in the middle of freaking nowhere. And, and the silence, because it's never quiet, quiet. You know what I mean? It's nature is noisy. It's very noisy. You don't mm. realize, but it, it, it's like, there's so much insect, insect noise and water running and wind went through the trees. You hear all of that. And then when you come back kind of into civilization, it just seems so loud. It's glare. It's it just blaringly loud sometimes. So yeah, it's a nice, it's no, a nice you know what and it's the thing to be able to sit with yourself just to be able to sit and yeah, just that's be hard. that's mm-hmm. what i'm learning to do and that's why i've always lived somewhere like here on the water because like as i'm talking to you i'm seeing the boats going up and down the river and everybody uh-huh. having a lovely time out there with their selfies i said do they ever enjoy the boat most people have got a bloody camera in their hand and all they're worried about <laughs> they is do. how good they look but that's they the do. young ones. I'm obviously getting old because I hated a camera when I grew up. I still do to this day. Isn't it funny? But, yeah, all the girls are out there looking pretty and taking mm-hmm. their selfies for Instagram and God knows whatever else. Um, the other thing I want to touch on too, and please, if you think about anything else that you want to bring up along the way, that's, that's great too. But I want to talk about, you talked about this emotional wheel that you yeah, have seen in one of your of posts. Emotions. Right. Yeah. Can you explain that to the, to the listeners for us? Because I'm interested too. Okay. Works. So, okay. So the wheel of emotions, I, I saw it online and um, it's used in therapy. It's used a lot with children. Um, so they learn about their emotions, right? Because if you, if you can name your emotion, you can kind of figure out how to deal with that emotion. It's my understanding of the process. So um, I only knew like four or five emotions, happy, sad, angry, hung, you know, hungry is not an emotion. It's a feeling, but, but, um, you know, I, I only had these few. So like the therapist would ask me, how would you, how do you feel about that? How does that make you feel? And I could mm-hmm. say like happy, angry, sad, frustrated, you know, that, that was the extent of my emotional range because I didn't recognize that under these emotions are under these big emotions are smaller emotions and feelings. So like anger, frustration is under anger, right? So if you're angry, then, you know, why are you angry? Well, you're frustrated and you figure that out. And so this wheel has these categories and then it has some emotions underneath. 
And my therapist started me out with hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. It's called HALT. And yep. what that does is you, you have to, if you're, if you're feeling out of sorts and you can't pinpoint it, you're supposed to halt and ask yourself, am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Because those are the big things that really cause people to trip up. Hunger is massive. People don't realize. And being tired too. So I learned how to do the halt thing. And I was like, okay, okay. That I, it took me a while to be able to actually do it, do it. Because you have to address it. You can't just name it. You have to stop and you have to address it. So I, I can do that pretty good now. And then I, then I realized there's all these other emotions out there in trying to name those emotions. And I, I was stunned several years back. My daughter-in-law had my, my grandchild and she said that the grandchild was having a raging tissy fit and just oof, all over the place. And she took him by the shoulders and she looked at him and she said, okay, use your words. Tell me are you this or are you this or are you this? And my grandson looked at her and said that he was angry um, and he was frustrated because his sister took something of his, right? And so after he could name his emotion, she said, okay, what do we need to fix this for you? What do we need to do to fix this for you? And they worked through that he needed a hug and um, he wanted his sister to apologize, right? So they worked through all that, that whole dynamic. And I stood there absolutely stunned. I mean, just completely stunned that number one, my daughter-in-law had the ability to do this. And number two, that my grandkids could name their emotions. And at the time it didn't hit me as much as it does now, because now I see exactly what she's doing. She, she taught them because they can name their emotion. She taught them how to deal with it instead of just saying, Oh, you know, shut up, go to your room, you know, calm down or it's going to get worse or whatever it was when we were kids, it was okay. Why are you feeling, you know, what happened? What are you feeling? How do we deal with this? So she taught, she taught her kids and is teaching her kids still how to cope with their own emotions. So when they get into adulthood, they can recognize what they're feeling and they can have the conversations around emotions and they can tell somebody, Hey, I'm frustrated with you because X, Y, Z, instead of, you know, giving somebody the silent treatment or walking away or not addressing it and just stuffing it down. They now have the ability to talk about their emotions, express their emotions and move through and keep going without feeling any guilt or shame about it. You know what? I was just thinking as you were speaking, how good are they going to be as partners? <laughs> I know. Cause it's like we, when they get older. Yeah. Oh my I God, didn't have... They're going to be fantastic. Yeah. So when I was married, I didn't have that ability. I, I couldn't just, you know, I could write it in a letter, but I couldn't speak it. Joe, I've written here and you used this in your post. You said that your mom used to say to you to use your words. How can you use what you don't know how to access and you don't know how you feel? I just, I would feel just oh, no. frustrated I, my, a lot, you know? Yeah, my mom didn't tell me to use my words or, or use, no, that was, in a, I think it was an example because my mom was like, you need to, to quit crying or I'll give you something to cry about, you know? Oh, I thought, oh, sorry. I thought she said that. Okay, my bad. Yeah, no, my mom didn't say that. No, no. My mom was, you, you, go, you know, uh, just stop crying. It's not that bad. You, you don't know what bad is. That was, that was more my mom and dad. God. Unfortunately, unfortunately. Where do you so, go? Yeah, where do you go yeah. with that one, right? Where do you go? Yeah, with you that? don't. You don't. So you that's when you learn that your emotions aren't valid. And you you 
learn other coping mechanisms. You learn that you're only supposed to be pleasant and happy and, and you learn to gauge everybody else's moods around you so you can kind of like control your environment. Yeah, and what I've realised, well, I've recognised with me too in sobriety is I'm so much better at articulating what I mean and I'm more direct and I can do it with mm-hmm. less without having to repeat myself like I used to. And yeah. I don't want to repeat myself now. If I've said it and you don't get it, you're not listening. And if I say it again and you still don't get it, because I will repeat it, but if you just go on and on and you don't, and you don't listen, I think I, I, if, I, if I can understand what I'm saying clearly, then I'm hoping that you can too. You know what I mean? Whereas before, I know that I used to sort of go around about it or this way, yeah. you know, I was just not getting to the point directly without being mean. And I can do it now and take the emotion out of it and just get mm-hmm. my point across. And I think that that's really important too. Um, when I get rid of some of the brain blockages, that'll help as well. But uh, sometimes yeah. I, I go to say something and I, yeah, I just can't get out what I'm trying to say. Oh God! And I think that's normal. I think that's normal. Um, that the the one thing I've learned, I couldn't understand why I would speak up in meetings at work and I would say something, and that it would go silent, right? And I was like, okay, am I doing something wrong? What did I just do? And and a lot of times I'm so incredibly blunt that yeah, I do shut down conversation because like I just like kill it with a statement um, that seems so completely obvious to me, and it's not obvious to the other people in the conversation. Okay. And the, the one thing that I've learned is that a lot of times when we make statements like that, that conversation kind of stops is it's because it's not the people who are listening. It's not obvious to them. It's not in their realm of possibility. It's not something that they can grasp because they may not have the understanding to grasp it because they're not looking at it from the same viewpoint. And that was really hard for me to learn because I would say something in a meeting and and this is what happens. People can't really grasp it. And then they go home and they think about it a few days and then they come back and you're in the meeting. And I know you've had this happen Debs, and somebody else says it and everybody jumps on it and thinks it's a great idea a few days later. (laughs) And you're like, they just took my idea. I said that two days ago. Oh God, you know? yeah, and, it's, and it happens more than you think in work. It happens, and, and it happens a lot. It happens more to women than men for various reasons. But that's part of why that happens is everybody listening is stunned because they can't quite grasp it. And it's at, completely out of the realm of possibility. It's like, no, uh-uh, mm-mm, mm-mm. And then they think about it a few days and they come back and they go, you know, that is a, you know, good idea. I do and, that in sobriety now. When someone comes up with something good, I'm the sober thief. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because that's my learning. That's how I am learning. And right. um, if I can share it and it helps somebody else, then terrific. You know, that's what I'm here for. I mm-hmm. mean, God, you know, I'm. we're learning every single day. But, yeah, in work, that, that just gets annoying when people take credit for the things that you all yeah, do. And I'm sure other, every, that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation <laughs> right there. Anyway, all right, so what else do you want to add to um, to this follow-up? Because... I think we, with the emotion thing, I think we can go on and on about that. Yeah, we could. Is we there could. anything else that you want to that you want to add? Because we're going to learn more as we go along. As we go, obviously, be talking. Yeah, we'll be talking in the future again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that really, I am amazed by how much growth, personal growth, is happening with me internally. Right, 
And I'm, I am stunned watching the people on IAS and in and, and our women's group just blossom. I mean, yeah. it is amazing. Some of the things that they're going through are just so incredibly hard. I mean, mm. just hard experiences in their life. And they are stepping up to the challenge without alcohol and facing these things and moving through them. And it, to me, it is, it's just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful to see all these people working to, to change their own lives and grow. And then just giving the support to each other, like the sober town podcast, listening to those and, and hearing everybody's stories. It's amazing what people have been through and, and how they can share their experiences openly. It's, I don't know. It every it just ama- it continues to amaze me. I think that's it. It just continues to amaze me how much there is out there and how many people are working so hard on sobriety. It's yeah, big. it's really no. Big. I agree with you. And I said I put a post out the other day just saying how proud I was of the bravery of people like yourself to come forward and tell mm-hmm. their story. And um, it warms my heart when I see people in Zooms now and. I do mm-hmm. see them grow and I see, do see them develop. And I've got a, obviously a personal interest in all this as well because I'm one of you. Yeah. And I don't know, just, it just, it's, it's just so terrific because I think to myself, as they are affecting me and I can see it, how many more people in their lives can see it too? So it's like yeah. this blossoming flower with all it these is. offshoots and, you know, the families and the friends and the people at work and anybody yeah. else they come into contact with will notice it too. So as our community is huge in itself at IAS, then that's going out and it's spreading out globally as well. So yeah, we have no idea of the impact that's going on out there, but people are certainly taking their lives back in in control. They're enjoying them. They're, Mm -hmm. you know, they're fulfilled. We're we're so grateful for being here. I say that I'm, I'm so blessed and grateful every single day. The stories are amazing. What people have been through, including even yourself and, at most everybody has said to me, Joe, and I, this is, I mean, sorry, no, I was going to say Joe, but your name okay. is Joe, Joe. I thought I said okay. your name by accident then. Um, you can say I, my name. Okay. I know that some people, you know, we have yeah, I know, I know. names. Sorry, listeners, that's just what we do. We try and keep it anonymous. We do. Um, we do. <laughs> Although I say my name all the time. Um, and I accidentally said your name earlier. So, yeah. I just. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I do. Oh, that's all right. You've got to have a giggle. It's okay. Yeah. I've been doing this long enough now. But with everybody on the podcast, yeah, it's just terrific to see them just come so far. And I'm going to keep my eye on everybody. And, uh, you know, I do take this seriously. And, and it's same with everybody's, you know, with everybody's mental health. I don't want anyone to come out and tell their story until they're ready. And everybody's mm-hmm. got their time. But every, I said this, Every-ya. everybody deserves to be heard. Everybody deserves to be heard, even if you tell. Exactly. And again, it's it's almost like one of those AA steps, and I'm sort of doing them organically. I was saying yeah. this with Polly the other day. And even if you tell one person your story, which I have done in the past, yeah. um, you know, it's really good for the soul. And every single person that has spoken with me, because I check on them the day after and keep in touch, they say, you know what, Deb, I feel really, really good. I'm really glad I did it. And that makes me, that's everything to me. That's just everything because if it has helped them and it's given them some inner peace, then ditto, goal, bingo, job done, you know. And then you've got the other side where it helps the listeners 
and mm-hmm. we're getting great feedback there too. And then within yeah. the community, the IS community, the ladies or the gentlemen, mainly the ladies who have spoken to me, have talked to each other. Like you said, you've listened to other people in our Zooms. And yeah. they've said to each other, oh, my God, I listened to you. And da, 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 that yeah. really resonated with me. And you think, yeah. I didn't even know they knew each other. Yeah, well, I think they, we have. People know people you, you don't even know they know. It's, it's such a big community. It is. It is. IAS is amazing because it's like I was having a conversation with somebody else about a third about a third person we hadn't seen. And she was like, I know you were you guys had talked a lot on IAS and I haven't seen them. Do you know if they're OK? And I was like, well, yeah, this is what I know from so and so. You know, everybody is like checking on each other. And if we don't see somebody for a while, we're like, OK, what's going on here? Are they OK? And we're it, it's but it's just this network of kindness. I mean, there are glitches in the matrix. We both know that. But for the most part, it is just this network of support and kindness. And yeah. it's amazing what everybody does for everybody else. It, the, like, not just these podcasts, but the blogs and the posts and the, you know, the support in, in the chats. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, but it works. And I just think it's one of the most beautiful things. I really do. Yeah, I'm very proud to be a part of it and I'm proud of everybody. Um, yeah, on the Sobertown trainer website and God bless Drifter, he's doing such an awesome job mm-hmm. and it's growing every day and it is. the man works tirelessly. You know, he's got a full-time job plus he's doing, you know, Sobertown plus he's doing everything else and everywhere I seem to turn on IAS, there he is commenting and supporting. He and, is, yeah. You know, and it is, it's, it's a lot of love and even the Zooms that, you know, they're relaxed listeners. If you ever, ever want to come on board, just get on the IAS community. As I said, mm-hmm. they're always posting about the Zooms. You will find them and um, we can get you connected and get you the support that you need. So that's about all from me at this stage. Jojo, what about yourself? Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, no, look, it's been an absolute pleasure once again, girl. And um, you've got me thinking. And now as we speak, <laughs> we're going to be heading off to more Zooms today. And yes. as we say, listeners, Stay connected because connection is the opposite of addiction. And please mm-hmm. go and spend a little bit more time around the Sober Town website and find something that you can do for yourself today. And on that note, God bless, and we will talk to you next time around. See you, Jojo. Bye, King.